0: Uh, in the book of James this morning, uh, m- maybe as brief recap, as we're, we're maybe two-thirds of the way through the series now, uh, I-, I would say that overall, James is arguing for us, he- he's pleading with us to-, to be holistic disciples of Jesus. I, I think he wants our faith. And and our deeds, and our words, and everything about us, to be uh, in alignment, to be congruent, to be uh, uh, for us to be moving in a direction uh, toward maturity, toward completion, toward wholeness. He wants a fullness of life for us, uh, where our faith is meant to impact each and every part uh, of who we are. We're we're being formed into someone different. Whether we're on day one of our faith journey or year 60 of our faith journey, uh, it's always this gradual movement toward maturity. There's something that we're striving for uh, that we will never get to on earth and yet there's some sort of maturity and completion that we can always be arriving at. Uh, it's this weird paradox. We're We're invited to stand out into the world, in the world. We're invited to to be beautifully abnormal. There's something a little different about that person, and yet it's not weird. It it actually makes me curious. It makes me wonder about who they are. Why why do you behave that way? Every aspect of who you are uh, is kind of strange and different, and yet there's something beautiful about it there's something intriguing about it we endure hardships we we treat everyone equal we actually live out our faith we we steward our words well as blessings to the world instead of curses uh, we're different we're set apart we're holy uh, we're being called into this strange different countercultural movement uh, as we move toward maturity Completion. Uh, it's it's beautiful. It, it beautifully abnormal, but, but most certainly beautiful. I'm reminded of Anne Ann Lamott's quote as she twists scripture and says that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you weird. Uh, it, there's something about this this way that's very odd. It's it's a very strange way of living, and yet there's something. Beautiful and intriguing about it, and I think as we talk about wisdom this morning, wisdom has this same sort of characteristic to it—that if we do it well, if we are truly wise in the way of God, there's something really weird about that way of living. It runs counter to the world that we see around us. It's—it's it's honestly very strange, and we'll explore some of those differences. James, James does it for us, in fact. Uh, but wisdom invites us to be different, to be beautifully abnormal, to, to be different than our culture, a, a city on a hill shining forth a whole different world, but, but radically beautiful, a, a new way of being human. Uh, so let's, let's chat about wisdom a little bit this morning. Wisdom is challenging for me. It's, it's kind of strange. Uh, it's, it's challenging in, in lots of ways. Uh, First of all, it's not something that we see that often. I, I don't know if, if you're like me, uh, there's not too many people that come to mind when I think of wisdom. There's a few, of course. There's a handful of people. But, but I wouldn't classify too many people in my life as being wise. I, I just wouldn't. It's not the first adjective that would come to mind to describe a lot of people in my life. Uh, where I specifically think of them as having wisdom uh, and, and being people that I would seek out in those moments of, of confusion and difficulty in my life, where I would say, I want to go to that person because they have this air of wisdom about them. I, I know they'll be helpful. I know they'll be, I, I, we just, I just don't think that we see it that often. Uh, se- second way that I think wisdom is challenging is, is that it's not really that easy to To define or to describe. Uh, It's just kind of ambiguous. What is wisdom? I think way too often we equate intelligence with wisdom. Uh, We try to make them one and the same, uh, and and I think scripture is pretty clear that they're not the same. And yet in our culture, uh, I think we often treat intelligent people or successful people or wealthy people as people who we should look to, uh, to influence our lives. But I wouldn't usually characterize them as as being wise. And even the intelligent people, it doesn't, just because you have a Harvard Law degree doesn't mean you're wise, right? And just because you're a high school dropout doesn't mean you're not wise. Wisdom has nothing to do with that. Uh, it, they're, they're not one and the same. Uh, so, so it's hard. How do we define wisdom? I, I think when we try to, it often comes off as trite platitudes uh, or overconfident and unsolicited advice. I'll offer you some wisdom, but it ends up being something that's not terribly helpful. It, it can tend to come off as self-help books or or shallow pop psychology, that's not, you're not really digging in deeply, in, in a deep way. Uh, it, it's, it's as if true, profound, godly wisdom, uh, I, I think people try to think that wisdom can be captured and packaged into 140 characters on social media. And it just can't. It's, it's, there's something deeper than that. Uh, wisdom is tough to define or describe because uh, it, it really has nothing to do with the DNA that you were born with. It, it's not something that just comes easy. It's not something that's just natural. Uh, it's not something you can just read about in a book and there, I have wisdom. I, I've arrived. I have it. Uh, it's something that's earned and learned through life experience. And just because you're older doesn't mean that you're more wise, and just because you're younger doesn't mean you're not wise. So it comes through experience, and yet time really has nothing to do with wisdom either. Longevity of life really doesn't have anything to do with wisdom either. So it's earned, it's learned, it's something that's cultivated, but it's not, there's nothing mathematical about how you get wisdom, is it? I went through that thing and I'm wise now. Or I read that book and now I've got it. I've conquered wisdom, thank goodness. But it does come through pain and hardship. It comes through asking for the Spirit to provide. There's a depth and a profundity. Wisdom is deep and profound. And rarely captured and actually lived out. I just don't see it that often. I just don't see it in most people. So it's hard to put our finger on what is it, uh, and what does it look like, and how do I, how do I try to initiate that uh, into my life? Um, so a few questions for you, and I want actual responses uh, uh, just, just in the next couple minutes. Uh, uh, first of all, do you have wise people in your life? For, for how many do you have somebody that pops in your mind as being wise by show of hands? Some bit when, I, when I say, do you have somebody that's wise in your life? All right, how about, uh, can you think of five people? How many people could think of like five wise people in their life? Okay. Some of us, maybe not all. How about ten? Anyone know ten wise people that you would consider wise? Okay, a, a, a few. Uh, but that the hands started to go down, right? It's not, it's really not that common. Uh, really quickly, maybe, maybe just one or two people, uh, when you think about the people that made your hand raise up, why, would, why do you think of them as being wise? What makes them wise? In, in, a, in a word or a quick sentence, one or two people. Why would, why would you raise your hand about the, the, that specific person that came to your mind? biblically wise, okay? How they treat others, How they treat others okay? Slow to, speak. Slow to speak. Yeah. Eager to listen. Right. Thoughtfulness. What was that, Joe? Uh, patient. patient. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, those are pretty deep characteristics, right? Those... Those, those aren't things that the majority of people have, uh, unfortunately. Uh, what we're wrestling with uh, so far is that what some call wisdom is different than what others call wisdom. So there's, there's a spectrum of how we interpret wisdom. And I think what, what, what some people would call as being wise Others would say, no, 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 that's, that's not wisdom. And so it's tough to nail down what exactly is wisdom. Uh, I think what James is going to say to us this morning is that what the world calls wisdom is different than what God calls wisdom. Uh, the world has one way of thinking about and trying to define wisdom. And then there's this entirely different way of thinking about the world, uh, that That seems like a wisdom of the kingdom, a wisdom from above, the, the wisdom of god there 's a worldly wisdom and a kingdom wisdom. So uh, I want to use James this morning to uh, to help us think through those those two different ideas so we 're in James chapter three. Uh, if you want to follow along it 'll probably be on the screen as well but uh, this this first section that we 'll read this morning. Uh, James talks about the wisdom of the world. Uh, So this is what the, the wisdom of the world looks like. Verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and James has it in quotes here, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. All right, so James says a couple things about worldly wisdom, right? The first thing that he says is that the worldly wisdom involves envy. Uh, at, At its root, one of its root characteristics is envy. Uh, it, it's a longing for something that we don't have. Right? To be envious is, is, is to not be content with what we have, but to see something else and to want it. To, to never be content, to always be wanting more. Uh, it's a spirit of upward mobility. It's striving for that next promotion no matter what. And we most certainly see that kind of attitude in the world, but even worse, that kind of attitude gets praised in the world. Right? That that kind of attitude gets seen as oh, that person is driven. Oh, that person's really going somewhere. That person's on the way up the corporate ladder. That kind of envious attitude actually gets praised as being wise in the world. Right? It, it's good to want more. It's good to always be striving. It's good to be working on that next promotion, to trying to get that next raise. Uh, it's, it's, man, they really got it going. Have you seen that car in their driveway? Uh, it, some, something good's happening there. We, we praise that kind of attitude as being wise, it's never being content with our own lives, it, it's always wanting someone else's life. It's it's striving for more. If I could just if I could just be like that person, uh, then I I will have really arrived. I will have made it. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I think we sometimes see that behavior as good. Uh, they're just a hard worker. They're just uh, they're just trying harder than everyone else. It's a trying to take life into our own hands instead of trusting God to provide. Uh, And most certainly that that attitude can be praised at times. uh, That they're a go-getter. That they're they're pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. They're really making it happen for themselves instead of learning to trust and being content in the place where God has us. There's an envy that's at the root uh, of the wisdom of the world. The the second thing that we see here that James talks about is a selfish ambition. uh, That... That there's a desire only for ourselves that's inherent in the wisdom of the world. That we're looking out for number one. That we're thinking of ourselves first and foremost. That we do whatever it takes to get to the top. Uh, we use phrases like cutthroat. Right? Those, those people, they'll do whatever it takes. And, and we tend to praise that kind of attitude. Or at least we praise the people who have gotten to that point, and we easily ignore all the people that got stepped on in order for that person to get there. Man, they really did it. Man, that that CEO, they they really made it. That celebrity, they really uh, that that wealthy person, they 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 really made that happen. And yet, there's there's a selfishness uh, that's inherent in, in the wisdom of the world, where where we're only thinking of ourselves. Uh, where the goal of getting things, uh, of of working, of of getting money, uh, is having or hoarding and not sharing or blessing. Uh, There's a way of thinking about the world where... It's wise to save for a rainy day. It's wise to, to put away a ton of money. And there's some wisdom there. Don't get me wrong. And, and yet this is a pattern of the world that can easily lead uh, to hoarding, to selfishness, to only thinking of ourselves and never thinking of someone else. I think as a culture, we've become a pretty selfish culture. We think of ourselves first and then if there's anything left, I'll share it uh, after that instead of blessing and sharing being our first posture, being the first thought that comes to mind. I think our culture has equated being with having, that to be is to have. And, and so then if you follow the logic, having more means being more. If the goal is to get and to collect and to save and to hoard and that's what finally makes me who I am, then having more makes me even more of who I am. As I hoard more, I am more. I think that's a troubling way of thinking about the world. And it's most certainly not biblical. It's it's wisdom of the world and not of God. And then I think the combination of those two things, envy and selfish ambition, is deadly. I think when you put the two together, it's a deadly cycle that's really harmful for ourselves and for the world. We start with not feeling adequate. We want what someone else has. So we selfishly strive for more and for better uh, only to realize that it's still not enough. There's still more that we we can achieve. There's still someone else who has more for us to envy. So then we selfishly strive for more and better. It's this nasty loop that we get in, where we want more, so we selfishly take, but then we realize that there's always another level of of acquisition. Uh, And so we envy again, we strive selfishly again, and it's this loop. It's this terrible, terrible cycle. Uh, And James is saying that that's not praiseworthy it's not good. It's not the way of God. That's a wisdom of the world. No matter how much that gets praised, uh, it's not of God. So he's saying that the wisdom of the kingdom, the wisdom of God is different than that. And he says it in verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Uh, The wisdom of the kingdom is way different than the wisdom of, of the world. This is a whole different way of thinking about the world. It's radically different. It's displayed through good living, through deeds done in humility. Uh, It's a way that's pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, merciful. It bears fruit, it's impartial, and it's sincere. There's so much there. That's a bunch of sermons there. But just a few of these things. Uh, James says that the the wisdom of the kingdom is pure. Uh, I think that the, the wisdom of the world lacks a purity. The wisdom of the world lacks purity. It has a do-whatever-it-takes-to-get-ahead kind of mentality. There's a lack of purity in the wisdom of the world. Think about our presidential candidates. Hillary speaks against wealth and Wall Street all while she's built a fortune kind of on the back of... Wealth and Wall Street while catering to the same crowd that she speaks against. There's an impurity there, right? It, it doesn't line up. There's not a purity there. Trump responds to allegations of, of not paying taxes by saying that he's smart, right? It says, well, that's, I'm just smart. Which, uh, in the wisdom of the world, of course he is, right? He's using the tax loopholes. He's, he's, only, he's not breaking the law, he's just using the system, right? And yet, there's an impurity there. It's just, it's not a clean, good, honest way of, of living for either of our major candidates. Uh, there's a wisdom of the world that is different than the wisdom of God. They're both incredibly smart, incredibly wise according to the world's standards and yet James would critique them, right? The, the wisdom of the kingdom is pure. It, it doesn't act that way. It doesn't stoop to that level. It's good and right and ethical and upstanding, even if it means we don't always get our way. Even if it means we lose an election. It, even if it means we lose our job. Even if it means... Uh, uh, we we won't get that job that we're striving for whatever it takes to be pure and to not compromise myself to not be a sellout that's what I ought to be striving for because it's wise it's good it's a good way of living Uh, it's the way of God uh, James talks about uh, the wisdom of the kingdom being peace-loving, uh, which flies in the face of the ways of our world, right, where violence gets things done, where, where putting our foot down is the best way to get what we want. Uh, there's, there's an anti-peace kind of way of the world that actually does kind of get things done at times, and yet, is it the best way of doing life? Uh, I think James is arguing no. And we've seen it in some of our greatest heroes of the last hundred years. They're people that chose peace over the worldly wisdom of violence and war. Right? You think about people like Gandhi and King and Mandela and Romero. All of our, our great leaders, or some of our great leaders, they chose this way of the wisdom of the kingdom, uh, even though they probably could have got some stuff done according to the, the way of the world. Uh, They chose well. James says that the, the wisdom of the kingdom is submissive. It's not dominant. It's not commanding. It's not forceful. It's not mean or rude or pushy. That real wisdom, true wisdom, is shown through service and sacrifice. It's through laying down our own agenda. Through not needing to be the alpha dog. Through not needing to always be in charge. Through not always needing to be powerful. There's a a beautiful abnormality in being submissive in our world, being sacrificial, submitting to one another in love. Uh, It it doesn't make sense. It flies in the face of our world, and yet it's the very thing that Jesus did for us. He submitted. Uh, He could have have ruled with an iron fist, and yet he chose not to. Uh, He was wise. And then lastly, uh, at least for this morning, James says that the wisdom of the kingdom is impartial. Uh, w- the wisdom of the world says that we need to form alliances and make deals and pick sides. Uh, we, we want to side with the victor and stay away from the loser. And yet the, wi- the wisdom of the kingdom doesn't show favorites. It works for the goodness and blessing of all in whatever ways that it can. There, there's a willingness to work across the aisle if it means getting something done and really actually helping people. There's an impartiality. I, I don't show favoritism. And there's a, there's a beautiful wisdom there that we don't always see in the world. Uh, we see this, this kind of wisdom in a number of characters throughout Scripture. Really quickly, I, I just want to take a, a quick look at the character of David. If you think about David, uh, he demonstrates both of these kind of wisdom uh, at different points in his life. Uh, He he most certainly has some worldly wisdom at times, right? And I think of the Bathsheba story. He's king, he's the man, he can have whatever he wants, he's in charge, he's powerful, what he's about to do is fine, he can do it because he's king, and so he takes what he wants. He's envious, he's selfish, and he takes Bathsheba for his own, even, even though she's the wife of someone else. And then he follows it up with, with all sorts of uh, evil actions to try to cover up his wrongdoing. Uh, it, it's worldly wisdom. It makes sense. He got the beautiful girl. He won, right? He's in charge. He's the king. He, he took... He took what was rightfully his. And yet, of course, that's worldly wisdom. It's not according to God. But then at other times, David is a champion for, for godly wisdom. Now I think of the Goliath story, right? When he goes out uh, to, to fight Goliath... Uh, He puts aside his concern for himself. He's submissive in this moment. Uh, He's working for peace. He's acting in humility and actually trusting God to take care of his life instead of trying to preserve his own life and selfishly uh, just trying to take care of number one. Uh, He's sincere of heart. He's considerate of others. He's all these things uh, that demonstrate the wisdom of God, the wisdom from above. He's both, Uh, and and yet uh, we ought to be always striving for for the wisdom that's from above. Uh, The way that Jesus demonstrates so well for us, Jesus is the new King David with a new kingdom and a new social system, and he perfectly embodies all these characteristics of godly wisdom uh, in a ton of ways. Uh, we could go through a whole list and you can name all the ways in which Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection show a whole different kind of wisdom. He's wise in a beautifully abnormal kind of way. In a way that does not make sense. It didn't even make sense to his followers, right? Why are you doing this? This is our time to rise up and overthrow the Roman government. This is our time. We've been oppressed for too long. Let's Let's do it. And when he rides into Jerusalem, they, they praise him and they worship him because they think, all right, this is, this is going to go well. And within six days, he's dead. But it's a whole different kind of wisdom that's beautiful and, and started this whole radical movement that has transformed uh, human history because it's a different kind of wisdom and it's strange, and it doesn't look like what we want it to look like, and yet it's good, and it's right, and it's the right way to live. So as we move to a close, uh, I would essentially ask the question, so what? We've talked about wisdom, uh, so what? So a couple maybe practical things for us to think about, uh, nothing Probably terribly wise here. Nothing too, nothing too in depth. But James has a few things that we should strive for. In, verses, uh, in, in chapter 4, verse 3, James says, When you ask, uh, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So I'm, I'm saying that we should ask for wisdom. And I think James is saying the same thing. I think we should be people of prayer uh, that constantly throughout the day we're asking for wisdom. But, but more specifically, we're asking for kingdom wisdom. For God to speak into our lives and give us the, the courage uh, to be a little different. To not act the way that the, the world acts. To not, to not respond the way that the world responds. Give me a wisdom that transcends this whole earthly paradigm that allows me to live above the fray, uh, with, where I'm acting with proper motives, uh, where I can use this wisdom well. God, give me a wisdom from above that I can steward well in order to be a blessing and not a curse. Uh, in verses 6 through 10 of chapter 4, uh, James says this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble And the oppressed. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Uh, I think we're called to humble submission. So maybe each and every day uh, we pray for wisdom. But we pray for the courage to submit. God, you're in control. Take away all envy. Take away all selfish ambition. And allow me to humbly serve you in a new kind of wisdom. Give me the words to say. Give me the actions to do. Allow me to live a new sort of life. And a couple more things that are more from me. Uh, I would say, I, I would encourage us to be on the lookout for examples of worldly wisdom versus king, kingdom wisdom. Uh, let's just have our eyes open. We just sang that song, right? Open our eyes, open our ears. I would say let's, let's start to be attuned to the ways in which we witness worldly wisdom and the ways that we witness kingdom wisdom. And let's be seeking to strive, let's be striving for kingdom wisdom. Let's try to recognize it in ourselves. Let's recognize the moments where, man, I was full of envy and selfish ambition there. I was thinking of myself and only myself. I made a decision that would get me a certain place but I'd have to compromise my beliefs, I'd have to compromise my faith. Let's be aware of those times where we succumb to that pressure uh, and let's seek to be people who live into the kingdom wisdom that God has called us. Uh, and then finally, let's, let's make our wisdom a lived wisdom. I mean, if James is nothing else, he's practical and he's active, right? He's saying that our faith should be lived and I think our, our wisdom should be lived it's not just knowledge that's not what we're seeking here. We're not seeking more information. We're not asking God to fill us with information about how to understand scripture. I mean, that's a, that's a fine thing to ask for. But when we're talking about wisdom, we're not talking about knowledge. We're not talking about book smarts. This is not a selfish wisdom. It's not a prideful wisdom. It's not an inactive philosophical wisdom. I've arrived. I'm smart. I, I, and, uh, and I can, I, I can judge uh, uh, it's not that. This, this is not passive. Uh, I, I'm inviting us, James is inviting us to allow our wisdom to do some work. To make a difference. To transform us into the sort of people that transform the world. Let the wisdom from above descend upon us and change us and challenge us and transform us. Allow our wisdom to produce purity, peace, consideration, submission, mercy, impartiality, and sincerity. Which none of those are passive. They're all active things that we're striving to live into as we live in the world. This is a wisdom that does things. That changes things. That loves people. That blesses the world. This this is a powerful wisdom that resists the wisdom of the world and demands that things be different. I think this is a wisdom that calls out the other kind of wisdom. That when we see it, when, when we see a way of operating the world that isn't healthy, that we call that out. We say, I know that makes sense in the world, but that's not good and that's, that's not right. It's definitely not pure. Uh, we can do better. This is a powerful wisdom that resists the wisdom of the world and demands that things be different. This is a creative wisdom that seeks non-conventional ways of solving problems, no longer succumbing to the unhealthy and unhelpful patterns of the world that we keep resorting back to. We have this tendency to fall back into the old patterns. Let's not do that anymore. Let's be more creative than that. Let's, Let's ask God for creative solutions to these problems that we face. This is a wisdom that can only come from the Spirit. It only comes from above. So may we be bold enough to chase the Spirit, to chase the wild goose into unchartered waters of enacting and embodying our faith with a wisdom that comes from above. Let's pray. Oh, wise God, You know so well the intricacies of this world. You created it, uh, you arranged it, and you placed us in it. And so I pray that you would give us wisdom to live well in this world. We seek that wisdom, we long for it. We want to be wise, we want to be good stewards of this life that you gave us. We want to be people that speak truth. We want to be people that embody all of the characteristics that we listed in our, in our, uh, our conversation this morning. So help us. Uh, send your spirit anew, afresh, to speak wise words into our lives and allow us to speak wise words into the world. We offer you this prayer and these thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, okay.